Hey, 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 everyone. You are watching Monetize Your Passion. I'm your host, Rita Join, and this is the place to gain clarity on your biggest passion, make a difference, and build a work from anywhere business. And my guest today is someone really special because if you've ever been in a place where you think, am I too young? Am I too old? Am I too fill in the blank? Well, my guest is going to bust all those myths because she traded in 60-hour work weeks in corporate America as a training executive to leave that space and build a very successful consulting company and sell it before turning 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Anna, Anna, if you're feeling bad, don't worry. We're going to find out how she did that. And then not only that, she now actually coaches millennials on how to build their businesses, build their companies, travel, have a lifestyle that they love. Amber Aziza, welcome to Monetize Your Passion. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you are so welcome, young lady. Now tell me, this is really interesting. Tell me, how did you get out of, why did you get out of the corporate space? I mean, was it like that feeling of, you know, I'm not getting anywhere, I'm not growing? How did that happen for you? Yeah, so for me, my story is slightly different than, than most people. Most people just hated their jobs and had to get out. Whereas for me, it was more so that I loved my job. I loved Mondays. I worked 60 hours without being asked. I just loved what I did so much. But for me, where I struggled was realizing, hey, I'm making my boss tons and tons and tons of money. Mm -hmm. Every year, his bottom line is getting mm -hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger. He's making more and more money. His revenue is increasing more and more. And he works like six days out of the month. Wow. <laughs> so for me, I was like, I'm working every day of the month, at least eight hours, at least, yeah. you know, that's like a, an easy light day. Yeah. Um, for me, a normal day was 10 to 12 hours and I'm working so hard to get what? A bonus at the end of the year and it was like that bonus won't get higher than what they mandated for me to receive yeah. regardless of, of what I do I can work mm. all the hours in the world doesn't matter it's never gonna go up and so for me that was my epiphany moment of you know what this is ridiculous I don't want to do this anymore my boss had come in and said hey we hit our goal and everyone was really excited because that meant everyone was getting their bonuses and so he said i want to really thank amber because she implemented a lot of changes that facilitated us being able to hit that goal and uh he as we're packing up he jokingly said you know oh what are you going to get with your bonus and i said i think i'm gonna get a car i think i'm gonna get a tesla and um because at the time my bonus was going to be you know $25,000 and um which at 25 that was like huge money yes yes <laughs> and so i said well what are you gonna get with your bonus like kind of jokingly saying it back to him and he said oh we bought an island and i chuckled i went <laughs> I went, oh, you're so funny. He's like, what? What's, why, are we, why are we laughing? Oh. And I realized I just bought him an island. He didn't buy that island. Yeah. I just bought him an island. Wow. Like blood, sweat, and tears. And so yeah. I thought, this is ridiculous. And so at that very moment, I resigned immediately. I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> like right there and then. Right there and then. Wow. wow. So, so you had nothing. You had no contacts. You had no. I had like a painful feeling. I didn't have a plan. I was just like, I'm out. Okay. Oh my god. And then what happened? Um. So I I decided to do what I do best, which is 
networking. I'm, I'm really great at being able to leverage my network. At first I was networking to try to find another job. Then I thought, Amber, that's just entering. You didn't hate your job. You, the, the catalyst to you leaving had nothing to do with the job. It had to do with the fact that you could not make any more than what you were making. Yeah. And this guy's buying an island. Like you need to buy your own. You need, to, you need to buy your own island. Right. <laughs> for me to buy my own island. So I decided to um, build my own business and I just networked. Um, my first business focused on uh, millennial engagement in the workplace. Um, and so I knew that that was my lane. That was what I did in the corporate world. So for me, it was an easy transition. I reached out to all of my contacts on LinkedIn and all the people that I'd met at conferences and events and said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And for me, that was the hardest part was actually saying, Hey, this is what like pitching myself. I've never had to pitch myself before. Yeah. Even in my corporate positions, I'd always been selected by a headhunter. Even my very first corporate job, I was called by a headhunter. And so for me to, to have to pitch myself was like, what? Like, yeah. I have to tell people that they should hire me as, as a consultant, like what? Yeah. Um, and so I did it because bills came and they didn't care about my pride. So <laughs> <laughs> my cell phone bill did not care about my pride at all. Um, and so I, um, I did it and I pitched myself and I landed my first small client and, um, and then from there, we just grew. We ended up growing into, you know, a large firm with 17 consultants and tons of clients and lots of Fortune 500 clients. And it was really exciting. Did you have a coach throughout that journey? So I did not. Um, I actually spent a significant amount of time kind of figuring things out on my own. I'd been on the executive side of the table for quite some time in the corporate world. So I knew everything that I needed to know to build a business. I just didn't know if that was sufficient enough knowledge. Um, and so I signed up for um, a, a, an online course um, by Marie Forleo. And uh, really, it just confirmed everything I already knew. It was like, yes, you know how to do this, Amber. Go forth and build. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And so from there, I, I built our first year in business. Uh, we had $300,000 a year. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like super excited about it. Here I come. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, so I was really excited about that. And, um, from there we just grew and grew until we, um, had an offer to be purchased and went from there. That's fair. So the whole consulting was how to get millennials more engaged into the corporate workspace. Right. Exactly. How to reduce turnover, um, and how to increase their engagement level. And then your consultants was going out and training these companies. Is that correct? Yep. We were creating training. We had, uh, engage, we had employee engagement solutions for them as well. So we would go in and sometimes say, you need to change your policies on X, Y, and Z. And, you know, maybe you need to change your onboarding process. So we did a lot of, uh, of kind of the consulting side as well as the training. So that's interesting. So you've sold the business now and you're like, what, what happens now? You've, you've built a successful business. You haven't even turned 30. And then what, what did you do? Um, I cried on my living room floor for like three days straight. <laughs> because I'm like, what did I do? I just oh. sold my company. Oh. What am I going to be known for? What <laughs> <laughs> um, 
because you know a millennial we're, we're more concerned about what our legacy will be in the world than anything else um and so i had a friend who owned a couple of businesses in miami and he said come to miami for a couple of weeks and i'd love to have you help me <laughs> with some of the things that i'm thinking about doing in my business and so i went and um I started helping him and uh, another friend said, hey, can you help me? And I said, yeah, and I helped them. And, and then it just kind of, I realized like, oh, this is a thing. People are paying me to help them with their businesses and things that I thought were common sense, but they were common sense because I had come from the executive side of the table. So I'd seen that, I knew how to do those things. And when I got to a point of, um, you know, building my second business, it was like second nature because I just done it in my first business. So for me, it's, it's, it's like breathing. When someone tells me, oh, I don't know how to build my business. I'm like, how do you not know how to build your business? Um, but then I realized like, Amber, that's something that I just acquired from uh, surrounding myself with the right people. And so for me, the ability to teach people how to do that is really exciting because you see this, you know, a business go from non-existent to seven figures a year is, you know, like, whoa, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing that you were able to do that, come out of the corporate space and then pretty much not go into panic mode or security mode. Maybe I should just go get a job and do this hustle on the side, right. but you went right into the hustle and just said, I'm just going to give it my all. Right. And that's easy. It's easy to do. I've seen plenty of people do, you know, the, let me go back into my shell. Let me go back into my corporate yeah. game. Um, because you know, it's scary. I was fortunate enough to not have a husband or children at that time to worry about, you know, oh gosh, you know, what happens. Mm -hmm. and I could make that leap. I moved back home with my parents for a while and <laughs> I just made it happen. Good on you. Well, that, moving back with your parents isn't all that bad, really. I it mean, it really isn't. And it's the security of knowing that you can now concentrate on this big project that you've got going. Exactly. Absolutely. If so I could have moved with me now, I would. <laughs> <laughs> So if you were in that journey, because I know that you made the, the company, you sold it, but I know that in, during that period, there were struggles. There were times when you thought, mm. oh my God, am I cut out? Like, am I, have I bitten off more than I can chew? Those Absolutely. times when those inner voices were kind of increasing their volume, how did you address to hush it down, you know, the negative chatter behind you? I think for me, I stopped looking at Facebook so much because as you Can start I give me a high five, just give me a high five now, right now. That's it. Tell me more, girlfriend. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, what ends up happening is you join these entrepreneur groups on Facebook and then you end up with more entrepreneur friends. I would say out of the 5,000 friends I have on Facebook, 4,500 of them are entrepreneurs. And I say entrepreneurs with yeah. air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I would start to see, you know, them posting their wins and I would just get so discouraged. I'm like, why am I not succeeding? <laughs> they're getting all of this great stuff. Like they're having all these amazing things happen. Why am I not seeing that? Like, what's wrong with me? Um, and so I started just not looking at Facebook at all. <laughs> I started completely. Uh, I, I added a plugin that would completely block out my news feed. Um, I just simply tuned you out. You can do that. I didn't even know you could do that. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. I'm going to do that. 
very useful. It completely wipes out your news feed so that you can still use Facebook, but it won't show you the timeline. Oh, um, okay. so, so it's very useful. Oh, what, what, what is that plugin? For anyone? Uh, it's called Facebook uh, News Feed Killer. I cannot believe there's something like that on the, I just, that's yeah. just blows my mind. So that's <laughs> what you did to kind of stay I'm, in your own lane. I did. I, 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 I had to tune out the other voices. I had to tune out the people who, you know, were doing really well. And that was making me kind of feel like I wasn't. Um, and that, you know, the comparison monster can be an ugly, ugly monster and can sometimes hurt you the most. And so I had to really tune those voices out. Um, and I also, you know, for me, when I would start to really feel like, oh gosh, what am I doing? Why did I do this? Um, I, I looked at my why. And from, I always tell people, your why can't be anything other than you. If your why is your kids, you're doing it wrong. And I know people with kids will get so upset when they hear that. I mean, my clients do all the time. But the reality is, is if your why is your kids, you're doing it wrong. Um, your why has to be tapped innately into you and who you are and what you want and what your desires are. Mm -hmm. Because you need something that's strong enough to pull you out of the slump when you're in it. Because you will get in it. And I think that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize is slumps happen. Even the most successful people had slums. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. yep. It's important that they realize that and recognize it. And it's interesting that you say that, Amber, because obviously then you didn't use Facebook as a strategy to build your business. It was mm -hmm. something. And did you take that app out after you sold your company? Um, no, it's still there. It's, it's still, still there. there to this day. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I use Facebook to, to build my business now for A Squared, but I still don't look at my new, <laughs> my new speed. I, I still repeat. You know, I can really understand that because I was just on the weekend, I was at the finals of the Williams sisters in Australia, their tennis oh, match. And cool. what was interesting, Amber, is that, I mean, they have sisters playing against each other and the crowd, like thousands of people were going, go Venus or go Serena or go. And it was back and forth. But, and not once did any of them flinch to look up or just get a bit of a, you know, fluff their feathers to say someone cheered for me. They were just in the zone. Mm -hmm. It was like they didn't even hear anyone cheering their name or, or their sister's name. It was, mm -hmm. when you say Facebook, I got off it. It was like, it's being in your zone. I just, it's just that lane that you're driving in. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, 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 that's, that's what I just found, got from you is that that's exactly the, the mindset piece that is needed to be able yeah. to really accelerate like you did. Yeah, you, you have to be able to just put on your blinders and be in your zone. You can't let anyone else shake you. You can't let anyone else, uh, what they're doing or their successes or their failures make you doubt or yourself or, or make mm. you, you should, you know, hang up the towel. You need to completely block out everyone else and don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me when you went ahead and you were first pitching yourself and you're like, now that you do coaching for millennials uh, and you were pitching yourself, that was a bit hard because you'd never had to put your hand up in terms of pick me. You were the one that was picked. <laughs> How then did you settle with, because I know this is very much, um, I hear it a lot in females that it's hard to price your services. It's hard to say, this is what I charge and not negotiate from that. How did mm -hmm. you overcome? Did you have a problem with that at all? For me, I think, you know, my very first pitch that I ever made, um, they told, the company told me no. And when I sent them an email with follow-up, always ask follow-up, 
um, you know, why didn't you pick me? <laughs> um, is there anything that I can improve or anything, you know, any reason that you didn't go with us? And, and the CEO that I met with was very honest and he said, because your prices were crazy low. And that told me that it wasn't going to be worth what we need. And wow. I was floored because that was like my, that was the selling point. Like, yeah. yes. Awesome yes. value yes. for really, really cheap. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, his message to me was, it doesn't matter if it's really, really cheap. We want the value. We don't care if it's going to cost us a lot. Um, and so okay. for, I had to do some adjustments. So I had to do some shopping around of competitors, people who were doing similar things. Mm. Um, I would call them and ask for quotes. I would call them and ask for demos. And I really studied how are they doing it? What are they? They didn't even mention the price. Is that something that you're, you're not supposed to do? Like it was just very like, you know, learning from, you know, what my competitors were doing. And then from there, I created a strategy that just worked um, because I was able to see, okay, they did that and that was terrible. So I'm not going to do that. But they did this and I want to pull that piece into my pitch. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, part of that came with pricing too, learning what market value is. If you don't know where market value is, then you're just throwing a dart at the wall and hoping it sticks. Mm -hmm. um, but if you know what the market value is, if you know what your competitors are charging, then when you make your pricing, you can make it perfectly in alignment with what your clientele wants and needs. Um, even if it's nowhere near what the market value is, it gives you a, a leverage point to say, I know that competitors are charging X, Y, and Z. Let me tell you why I'm not charging that. Um, and so for me, once I got over, you know, the shock of like, what, I'm too low? Um, that was when I said, okay, let me, let me get serious and start seeing what my competitors are actually charging. I love that. I love, so you actually, this is what's beautiful is you're a hustler. In other words, you hustle. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're a hustler. And how, I mean, because there's two schools of thought on this summit. I've interviewed two schools of thought. One is that you hustle, hustle, hustle. The other school of thought is you need to be able to have some balance as to how much you're going to hassle others. You're going to, but where, where do you see yourself? I think that hustle for me is a state of mind. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not, I think people relate hustle with negative terms. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that someone who has the ability to hustle doesn't necessarily mean that they're working all the time. It means that they are clever and crafty in how they get that work done. Um, it means that they are willing to do workarounds. It means that they're willing to find another way, that they just don't stop because there's an obstacle. Um, so for me, hustle means a little bit something different than just, you know, constantly working. Um, when I say I'm hustling, I mean, like, I'm, I'm working efficiently, but I'm working hard. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's important that people work hard. I, that's a lost art is hard work. People think they're going to go into entrepreneurship and suddenly be the successful entrepreneur and not have to work. I am a successful entrepreneur and I still have to work. <laughs> it's not, it, it doesn't go away. You know, I, I, if you ask Richard Branson, yes, he's, he's jet setting here, there and everywhere, but he's still working. Like he still has to work. The work yeah. doesn't disappear. Yeah. And I think a lot of people believe that the work disappears and goes away when you're successful. It doesn't. Um, you still have to hustle all the time. And, you know, it's just about becoming efficient and effective with the hustling that you're doing. That's interesting. So what would you say would be your top two or top three ways in order to be able to attract clients for your business? So you went out and you actually went to your LinkedIn and then you went out and pitched via email. What would you say for starting a coaching, consulting, service-based business as you are an expert in, how would you say is the top two ways to get clients in like the hustle? 
I would say that the first way to get clients would be understanding who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times people are just saying, I want to work with these people, but do those people need what you're selling? Mm-hmm. Um, if you have no idea if they need what you're selling, then you need to research it. You know, hop on pewresearch.org. Um, you know, do what you got to do to find out more about your demographic. Um, and then the second way I would say to sell clients and to, to get clients would be to go where they are. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't promote on Facebook if your demographic doesn't, doesn't go on Facebook or they're not as prevalent on Facebook, you know? And I think people just see, oh, she did really well on Facebook. So I'm going to take this Facebook ads training and I'm going to do really well on Facebook. And yeah. then they're disappointed yeah. because they're not getting what they wanted. Yes. And it's like, no, the reason you're not getting what you wanted is because you're not in the right place. Yes. Um, so it's all about knowing who your clientele is. Um, and then last but not least, be authentically you. And I know that sounds really woo-woo. That's what all the life coaches tell you, right? Be you. But it's true. In business, you have to be authentically you and you have to build your business so that it is a reflection of you um, and how you want your business to be built. If you want to be seen as cutthroat, then build your business as such. If you want to be seen as compassionate, build your business as such. Um, you know, but don't build your business as a copy of someone else's. Mm-hmm. Build your business as a reflection of who you are. And so this is interesting because a lot of people have said to me when I work with clients is, I just don't even know who I am anymore because it's been subdued for such a long time doing something in the rat race, you know, working nine to five and you would know about the rat race. So how would you suggest to someone to really get in, get in tune and get into that woo-woo state to just get real and say, well, who am I really? I would say that the best way is to unplug for a whole mm-hmm. week unplug, walk away, take, take, take a week off from your business, take a week off from social media and completely unplug. For me, I do that once a quarter. Um, and then at the end of the year, I do it for two months. Um, and the reason I do that is because they're right. When you're in a sea of other people, it's easy to start to sound like other people. Mm. Um, I call it the Marie Forleo effect. So one of the things that I noticed being um, in B-School, Marie Forleo being the very popular online entrepreneur, is that a lot of copies of Marie Forleo started popping up, right? A lot of people using the same type of, of, of oh. jargon, type of content, the same type of website, the same type of format. And it was just like, yeesh. I was like, do wow. I sound like that? Is that how I sound? Like, <laughs> should I make a change? Um, and so what I tell people is unplug. Hmm. The best way to, to tap into who you are, the best way to tap into what you genuinely sound like is to unplug, walk away for a little bit. And then from there, you will find that your normal natural voice, your normal natural self will start to come back. Um, and then you can, you can resume business as usual with your authentic voice. Um, and then I also have a poster board that I create um, when I take that week off that has, you know, these are the things that make me who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I send it out a text message out to friends and I'll say, you know, when you think of Amber, what do you think of? Um, and they'll respond with all the words and all those words, I put it on my, my poster board so that as I'm building other projects in my business, as I'm doing partnerships, as I'm growing, as I'm creating content, I can make sure our, is the Amber that's presented on my website or on, in this video or in this live stream, is that the same Amber that's on this poster board? 
Wow, I love that. I really, really love that. That's a fantastic, one of the best answers I've heard. Thank you for that, Amber. <laughs> now tell me, I, I read that in order for you to start your business and really you know, pump it along, you stopped watching reruns of certain TV shows that you like, like Sex in the City. Now, how much TV do you, because this is an interesting, because I always tell my clients and myself that the more you cut down, because the highest of CEOs, they, the higher you go in your profession, the less TV you watch. Right, because the less time you have to watch The less time, it. yeah. And because the more passionate you are about what you do. So then right. if you're hanging out watching TV, it's like something's not right. You know, you're not happy somewhere. You're trying to right. get a fix. Do you, how much TV do you watch? Uh, I would say in a week, I watch maybe about eight hours of TV. You want an eight hours TV? That, that's a good amount. Um, but here's the thing. <laughs> When I'm watching it, I'm not watching it for the entertainment value. Mm -hmm. I'm watching it for trends because my demographic is going to be really interested in shows like The Real Housewives. Mm -hmm. They're going to be really interested in, you know, shows like the sh like Shark Tank. Um, and so for me, um, I watch those shows to see what's the selling point. Mm -hmm. I Hey, I follow each and every Real Housewife like a hawk. I, I have alerts on them on my Twitter. I have Google alert, alerts on all of them. And the reason for that is they are brands. People watch those shows because they're brands. So, you know, you, you, when I look at it and I see, oh, she's wearing that bangle. She's worn that bangle in every single episode. Mm -hmm. And then you go to her website and what's on her website? That bangle. Mm. <laughs> and so yeah. for me, it allows me to understand, okay, this is the marketing methods they're using because that's all it is. It's a great TV is nothing but a massive commercial. Yeah. Anyone that says otherwise is confusing themselves. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important. Oh my goodness. What's that? <laughs> that's the man. I don't know what that is. Alien landing. <laughs> that was so strange. Um, anyone that is saying otherwise is completely fooling themselves so tv is just one great big commercial i love that I just, I, I, I just watch it for the branding effect i couldn't agree more it is a big fact uh, commercial in fact i know a lot of people entrepreneurs who have stopped watching it altogether because the demographic is not on it but because it takes away you know that when you have to be in your own lane focus mm -hmm. it takes away from their lane so they just completely because of the demographic. Now, I, I, there's something behind you that I'm really intrigued about. Is that like your vision board or is that your planning? What's behind you? That is my project board. So every uh, major project that we have that we haven't done before, because we have different projects that we just kind of do regularly on a cycle. Um, but any new project or new business is up there. Actually, all of those are businesses that are up there. Um, so each color is a new business that is either built or being um, grown or that I'm investing in this year. Oh, fantastic. So that's the, that's the visual reminder of what's going on in your workspace. Yes, I'm old school. I have to, I have, to have it in front of me where I can just turn around and look um, so that I can see, like, no, last time we talked, we said next steps were going to be this. Why isn't this done? Yes, yes. No, me too. I have to, I have, to have it in front of me. Otherwise, but also I think that when you're writing it, there's more of a, it just feels like, Rather than typing, it just feels more of a commitment. It feels more that it's real than right. Absolutely. Typing, it, typing it. So tell me now, I know you've been very generous, Amber, and you're giving our uh, viewers a very generous gift. Could you please tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I'm giving the biz model canvas and the training that goes with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so the biz model canvas, people often say, Amber, when I start my business, should I have a business plan? And the answer is 
No. The only reason you would need a business plan, an actual traditional business plan, is if you are asking someone for money to build your business. Mm. Then you need a business plan. Um, other than that, you just need a strategy. And business plans aren't going to help you with that strategy. If anything, they might confuse you more. So what I encourage all of my clients, actually I make them all do it, um, <laughs> is to have a biz model canvas. A biz model canvas is helping you create that strategy so you can take your idea of what you want to do with your business business and actually figure out the actionable items that you need to do and the actionable steps you need to do in order to make that idea and reality. That's fantastic. I love that. Thank you so, so much. And that business model canvas, guys, is on the link while you're watching this particular interview. It's the link on this page and it's also in the link in the email that's been sent to you. So go ahead and click that and get access to that because I mean, Amber gives that to her, her clients. So if you want to learn strategy and not just the theory of putting something in place, then go ahead and click that because I highly recommend you do so. So you can get that strategy and the know-how before you get yourself confused. <laughs> so, Amber, my last question, lovely lady, and that is that I know you've got a team. Mm -hmm. I know you are supported by a team because, and that's one of the entrepreneurial mindsets. People usually, I know when I first started my business, I was like, uh, people were like, oh, no, you wait until you arrive where you want to arrive and then you hire a team. But I pretty much started as soon as I could because I knew that alleviating the stuff that I did not want to do would somehow in the long run benefit me. And it has. How do you hire your staff and what are you looking for? And what kind of people surround you in your team? Um, so for me, when I'm hiring my staff, I'm looking at, do you have an entrepreneurial mindset? Um, so do you have the ability, because my employees all have a great level of autonomy. I don't want to hear about it unless it's going to actually directly impact the business. And if it doesn't, I like then, that. then fix it. Like if, <laughs> if you have a solution, don't tell me, Hey, there's a problem and here's a solution. Just solve it. Yeah. Um, and so my employees have to be able to do that. Um, so that's what I look for. Um, I also look for people who are passionate. Um, and people who have a drive for what they do. I hire for specialties. Um, and then I teach them how to do other stuff just as backups. Um, so if you're a graphic designer, you're hired as a graphic designer. If you're a web developer, you're hired as a web developer. If you're an assistant, you're hired as an assistant, but you're taught other things uh, so that if somebody's sick or somebody steps out or quits, then yeah. we can have you step in. So what are your top three people to hire around you? Mm, um, so for new entrepreneurs, I would say you need a virtual assistant or an assistant of some sort, someone that can really handle that admin stuff that, you know, don't waste your time doing the admin stuff. Don't, mm. don't do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Highly skilled elements. So things like graphic designers, video editors, if you don't know it, if that's not your jam, mm. um, don't waste your time trying to do it. It would take me eight hours to edit like a five minute video when it takes my video editor an hour. Yes, <laughs> so yes, I, yes. I, I, I waste the time and the money really because I could be making money in that time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I waste the time doing that. Um, and then I think the third type of position that you need to fill is an accountant or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, people that are going to look out for the best interest of your business. Um, don't think, oh, I'll get that later. I'll get yeah. that when I make money. You need to do it now. Mm, um, yeah. Just because you're brand new doesn't stop someone from being able to sue you. <laughs> 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 so it's important to have oh, protection. Oh, that's awesome. 
<laughs> but it's interesting that you said that because, um, and so you're obviously of the belief too, to go higher and then you go and create it as you're going along and not wait. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Love Absolutely. that. And just on, on that, do you hire, like, do you go out and hire on those sites where they're, you know, the online sites or do you hire locally? It depends on the role. So like my personal assistant is here in Washington, DC. Um, my, what else is here? Who else is here? Um, my lead admin is here in Washington, DC. Um, but like graphic designers, I'll hire them from a site, yes. um, video editors. I hire from a site, podcast editors, um, things that you don't really need to be in front of me to do. Yeah. Then I'll <laughs> hire them from a site. And even like our coaches, our coaches, I handpick because um, we have a team of coaches. So I handpick them, but I, I really focus on, you know, not necessarily where are they, but what can they contribute? Mm -hmm. um, and so they are all over the world, um, but they, they know what they're doing and that's what's important. That's because that's, that's really interesting. Sorry, just on that, Amber, when you say your, your coaches, so the business model for you is that you teach a squared coaching, but then you've got other people who take on certain clients. Is that how it works? Yep. Oh, yep. fantastic. So it's just streamlined so that not everyone comes to you. Well, yeah. So not everyone comes to me. Actually, 90% of our clients don't come to me. I only work with clients who have hit uh, $750,000 a year in annual revenue or more. Mm -hmm. um, anyone else is going to our other in-house coaches. Fantastic. So that's the model that you're using. I love that. I love that. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be able to monetize your passion summit. You've shared some fantastic gems. Thank you very much for that. And guys, if you're looking to go and get more of Amber, which I highly recommend, and get the business model canvas, go, and click, go ahead and click on the link uh, for the gift on this page or in your email, and you'll get direct access. Thank you very much, Amber. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you joining us on the Monetize Your Passion Summit, and we will catch you tomorrow. Take care. Good everyone, this is Rita Join. Welcome to the Unbox Your Gift podcast, how to turn a passion into a profession. You're going to hear from Amber Aziza today, who is the Millennials Coach. Now, the reason why I'm broadcasting this particular interview is because I did this interview a little while back, and it was for the Monetize Your Passion Summit. And what I wanted you to get from this is the difficulty it was for this guest of mine to transition from an employee to an entrepreneur. Now, disclaimer, turning a passion into a profession doesn't mean going the entrepreneur route. Doesn't mean working for yourself route. It means finding what you're good at and generating an income from that, however that may be, be it working for yourself or working for someone else. It just so happens with this particular expert, she wanted to work for herself and she found it difficult, like transitioning from employee out of that into working for herself. And so she was working 60 hours a week. She really enjoyed her job, but she found that she had more potential, but she just didn't know how to tap into it. So she quit her job based on that, that she knew she had more to give, more to do, more to contribute, but her job, although it was great, it was paying great, and she enjoyed it, even though she's working 60 hours, she still enjoyed it, but she knew there was more to it, more to her life, more to her potential, and she could only tap into it if she left that job. And so she did. And so Amber is going to share with you, and as, as I interview her and go really deep in the questions of what she did to transition from employee to making money with her passion, 
how to stop the comparison monster, especially on social media, how losing, and I, I actually go into this with Amber, how she lost her first client and how by losing that client was the gateway to finally monetizing her work. Like it took that challenge, that rejection from the first client for her to understand, ah, that's the missing piece. And you'll get it when you listen to the interview. Like it's just like eye-opening. And what hustle means, and with this interview, Amber tells me hustle doesn't mean working all the time. And if you're doing it, you're doing it wrong. And you'll find out why in this interview. The best way to attract clients and it's not through social media. This is though, so this is coming from a perspective. You're going to hear a lot of perspectives. And what you need to do is become self-aware of what's going to be working for you based on what you're good at, based on what your skills are, based where you want to go, what your projection is for yourself and your own vision for your own life. And of course, I'm going to get into in this interview some mindset hacks on how to monetize your passion and really get real with the journey of it and what that means to your bottom line, to your life and to your career. So enjoy this, guys. There is a lot of gems coming out of this interview. Uh, I certainly enjoyed doing it and I hope you're going to great, get a lot from it because I know many of you are in that place where you're enjoying your job. You really are. There's some who don't. There's some who really are, but they're like, something's missing. Something's I just don't, can't put my finger on it. Something's feeling empty. And it's usually because you know you've got more potential to tap into and you just don't know how to tap into it or you don't want to take the risk to tap into it because there's no safety into tapping into that potential because what if it gets you nowhere? So here's someone who can speak to that and give you the inside story of what it feels like on the other side. Enjoy. <laughs> 